Okay, go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, um, and we will continue with our series about change. And tonight we're going to talk about choosing to rejoice. Everybody say choosing to rejoice. All right. Um, as we, when we start this process, we said that, you know, it is, it is so necessary for each one of us to recognize that when God saves us, that is the beginning of this journey of faith. It is not the end of the journey of faith. Uh, and so when God saves us, he sets us out on this journey and it's a journey of transformation. It's a journey of, of allowing God to do in us what he wants to do in us. Uh, and it is too easy for us as believers, especially the older we get, to remain stuck in a certain level. To, main, to remain stuck uh, doing things the way we've become accustomed to doing things. But I've, as I've shared with you before, uh, many times most of us are reluctant to change until something drastic happens. Most of us are reluctant to change until some difficulty prompts us to do something different than the way, than the way we are currently doing things. And so uh, uh, what we want to understand is that God made us, he saved us, and he, he created us for change. And so uh, we want to make sure that we are in the uh, uh, process of continually being transformed the longer that we're saved. And so tonight we're going to talk about choosing to rejoice because I've discovered, I don't know about you, but I've talked to enough Christians over the years to understand that there are a lot of believers who don't really know how to rejoice. There are a lot of believers who are in church uh, say that they died today, they're going to heaven, but they're not rejoicing in this life. They're, they're, they're allowing the, the things that, that transpire to, to take away inward joy. And so uh, we're going to talk about what it means to choose to rejoice tonight, okay? So Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse number one, we'll start our reading there. Um, and we'll, we'll review a couple of things that I gave you because I want, I want this to be, I want this to resonate in your heart and in your mind. Um, what I've discovered is, is that in, in, in church, many of our churches are not effective because we have people who are not willing to, to accept change the way God delivers it. Okay. Now. We, we'll, we'll see the tools that God uses, and we'll go back over those just briefly. But let's read this scripture text right quick. Who's writing this text? The Apostle Paul. Who's he writing it to? Church at Philippi, right? He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Text says, now I appeal to you, Odia, Yodia and Sintite, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. There's these two ladies in the church here who were, who were having uh, uh, some disagreement between them, okay? And so Paul specifically calls them out to tell them to settle your disagreement. And so he was, he was specific. Now, he could have just said, just tell everybody to get along, right? No, that's not what he did, right? And there are times, guys, when God will call you out by name. And say, stop it. You're my servant. I need you to be on board with my plan for kingdom advancement. So Paul here says, now I appeal to you, and Sintai, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. 
Verse 3 says, And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. These ladies were preaching the gospel. They were promoting the gospel message. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Verse 4, Always be what? Full of joy in the Lord. I say again, do what? Rejoice. KJV says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Verse 5, let's read. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has what? All that he has done. If you will, flip back with me to verse number four one more time. Verse number four one more time. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, what? Rejoice. When he says always be full of joy in the Lord, again I say rejoice. That is a direct command. Correct? Now, if it is a direct command, that means that when we find ourselves not being full of joy or not rejoicing in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, if we're not rejoicing in our walk with the Lord, if we're not uh, allowing the joy of the Lord to be our strength and to overwhelm and overtake us, then we're outside the will of God because he's telling us here, always be full of joy in the Lord. Not just when things are going well. So if that command is given to us that way, then we... It would, it would behoove us to find a way to make sure that we are full of the joy of the Lord, right? Okay, so now let's get, get to the outline. We told you uh, by way of review uh, that God wants to change us. And the tools that God uses to help change us is, number one, he uses his word, right? Everybody say, he uses his word to change me. Go back with me to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse 16 and 17. Familiar passage scripture, one that I love, particularly the way it's, it's rewarded in the, new, in, in the New Living Translation. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse number 16 and 17. We'll go down through it. It says, all scripture, watch this, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us will, realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. And teaches us to do what, what is right. What does that? The word. the word does. Scripture does. Okay. So if the word corrects us, teaches us what to do, teaches us what's right and what's wrong, and tells us how to live, then if you are a Christian who never embraces the study of God's word, wouldn't you think you would be at a disadvantage in pleasing God? Go back up. Back up. This is all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. Because if something is wrong in my life, then I need to be, as a born-again believer, about be, be, I need to be about changing that thing that's wrong in my life. But I won't know necessarily what's wrong in my life if I don't have word, because this says right here, the word teaches us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 17 says what? Let's go. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God uses what? The word to do what? To prepare and equip us to do what? Every good work. 
So every good, the good work that God saved us to perform can't be done until we're prepared and equipped. And all way we can be prepared and equipped is to get the scripture into our heads and down into our hearts, right? He's trying to equip us. He's trying to, to, to arm us so that we'll be effective in doing the work of ministry. Can I get a witness? So the first thing he uses is his word. The second thing that God uses, amen, to help change us is his spirit, right? Everybody say his Holy Spirit. When we commit ourselves to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to empower and to direct us, right? Go to Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 9 through 11 with me right quick. Second tool that God uses to change us is the Holy Spirit. This is, this is a review. We, we talked about this when we first started this process. So it's the word. He uses his Holy Spirit. text says this. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. 10 and 11. Let's read. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Now watch this. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that same power, Holy Ghost power that raised Christ from the dead, the scripture says that same power lives where? Within us. Do you not realize that you have the, the, the resurrection power of God on the inside of you? Look, 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 look at this. Watch this. The spirit of God who, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit that's doing what? Living within you. So God uses his spirit, amen? The spirit of God gives us new strength and energy and the desire and the power to do what is right. Because again, guys, there are times, how many of y'all have been in a situation where you... You, you knew what was right to do, but somehow in, you couldn't find it in your power, in your own power, to do what you knew was right to do. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. Come on now. Have you ever been there before? Yeah. Have you ever been sitting there knowing, this is what I should do? Pastor Adams has taught us in Bible study how to do this. He's told us to go to people whenever we are offended about something. But but I just I just don't I just don't want to fool with him right now. Anybody ever been there before? He's told us if we if there's an offense on all, let's go to the person one on one. And we intuitively know that, but then we say, well, you know, I don't want to start no stuff. Because if I go to a one on one, then there may be an argument, it may be a disagreement, and they may not receive me well. So I'll just stay in my corner and talk about it behind their back. I'll talk about them to all of my friends, but never go to them one-on-one and be biblical the way Jesus Christ told us to do in Matthew 18. Now, you know that, but somewhere in, inside, of your, your, inside of you, you, you've never really been a confrontational person. You hate confrontation, as a matter of fact. So as a result, you don't, you don't feel comfortable going and talking to somebody about an alt or, or disagreement that you have with them. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Even though you in your natural bent may not like 
confrontation. When you have the power of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, resurrection power will give you the strength when you depend on it to go to the person, look them eyeball to eyeball, man to man, woman to woman, and say, let's talk about this issue. Rather than blasting it on Facebook, tweeting out some picture, some photo on Instagram, whatever you do, amen, instead of going to that person, we got we, we, you know, we got to start doing what the word said. But most most people will go to somebody else rather than going to the person. But you have the power to do the word of God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to be able to do what the word of God tells us. We have the capacity to do so. God uses His Spirit. He gives us an unction. Have y'all ever have y'all ever had something come across your mind and it comes up in your spirit and it's real strong and it keeps coming back. You can't seem to shake it. And it's, 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 there, there's, a, there's a pull on the inside of you to go do something, and, but and you can't seem to get rid of it. It keeps coming back. It may go away for a while, but it comes back again. Guess what, guys? That's God trying to prompt you through your inner man. Because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man, your inner man, is where the Holy Spirit abides, and he's trying to pull on the, on the strength of your heart and say, here's the direction I want you to go in. He uses his Holy Spirit to change us. And the third way he, God helps change us is through circumstances. We talked about it before, okay? God's ideal way, I told you, of changing us is to have us read the Bible to find out how we should live and then depend on his indwelling spirit to enable us to do it. But unfortunately, most of us just won't move, right? Most of us, even though we're saved and going to heaven, uh, won't move when we see word about the direction for our life or when the Holy Spirit is prompting us to go over to reach out to go over and to make amends to go and do whatever it is the Holy Spirit is telling us to do so God has to use and he brings in the third tool to work on us which is our circumstances okay problems pressures heartaches difficulties always get our attention is that right they always get our attention go to Romans 8 28 and 29 Romans 8 20 29 so the three tools are what the word, his spirit, and circumstances. Okay? The word, his spirit, and circumstances. 28, I mean, uh, verse number 26. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Why say, look, look, look at 29 says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them. That means us. He chose us to do what? To become like his son. Well, let me ask you a question. If we're going to become like his son, who has to change? We do. The son is not going to change. Jesus Christ is who he is. He's God. He was God manifesting the flesh, and he's seated on the right hand of the Father right now, and Jesus Christ don't need to change. We do. So if we're going to become like his son, that means that we have to change. Okay? So God uses what? First thing he uses what? He uses his word. He'll have you come here on Sunday. He'll have you come here on Wednesday to get a word that will direct your life. And prayerfully, each one of us will hear that word, make a, a, a mental ascent of, of what that word is saying, get an understanding of it, put it down in our heart, and make a conscious decision and say, you know what, I'm going to do this, I'm going to walk this out even when I don't feel like walking it out. 
I'm going to do it because I know that's what the word of God says. It's been rightly divided. The text has been exegeted for me. I know the then and the there, and I know the here and the now. And so I'm going to do it even though I may not feel like doing it. That's the biggest thing we have to overcome, guys, is our feelings. Right? Sometimes our feelings say, stay home. Sometimes our feeling says, don't go hug them. Sometimes our feeling says, keep your money in your pocket. Sometimes our feeling says, well, you know, they've asked me before for something. Well, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, we know it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do we really believe that? And if he's prompting us to do it, then we have an obligation to obey what the Holy Spirit says. But many times we sit there in our own self in our own flesh in this and refuse to do what we know the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. So he will bring circumstances into our life to redirect our thinking. Amen? Now, I told you this before and we're going to move on. The interesting thing about how God uses circumstances is that the source of the circumstance makes no difference to him. I want you all to hear it again. The source of the circumstance, the source of the problem God will use whatever source it is. You follow me? The, the source may be the devil, and that the devil did something in your life, but God will use what the devil did to perfect us. Can I get a witness? So the source of the circumstance doesn't matter. We often bring problems on ourselves by bad decisions, bad judgment, right, and sin in our own life. And then when that stuff happens, even though God didn't set it, he didn't, it was his will, but he'll use it to perfect us and get us to be more like his son. Right? Can I get one hand raised from anybody out there who's ever made a choice or a decision that you knew was wrong and then God, when you look back on it, God used that choice and decision to help transform you? Anybody in the house? And, and, and oftentimes it happens with relationships uh, when it comes to uh, how, we, how we interface with people. And so when we made a bad choice, a bad decision, then God can get our attention now and say, listen, don't do that again. Here's what I want you to do the next time. And here's what my word said, but you didn't listen to me because he was cute. You didn't listen to me because she was fine. As a matter of fact, all, 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 all thinking went out the window when, you, when your lustful spirit got hold to you. And so now God, even though that wasn't God's will, God will use it to transform us and perfect us, okay? So those are the three things that God uses uh, to, uh, to help transform us. Again, the choices that bring us to change. Look, look at the next part of your life. What are the choices uh, that bring change? Well, we must choose our thoughts. We, we are, I'm not going to go over these again. We must choose our thoughts. We must depend on his spirit, and we must respond wisely to the circumstances. Respond wisely, okay? To the circumstances. So those, those, those are the things that I want you to uh, to. To put down in your spirit, I want them to make an indelible impression in your hearts and in your minds right now. Word, his spirit, and circumstances. The ideal thing for us to do is, is to see word, hear word, understand word, be able to glean how it should be applied to our life, and then just be obedient to that word. Right? Because when we do that, then we know we're in the will of God. But most Christians don't do that, right? Most of us will end up having to go through some situations, some problems and circumstances in order for God to get our attention. That's unfortunate, but that's what happens in our lives. Okay? So, but he uses word, his spirit, and circumstances. And then 
the choices that bring changes, we've got to choose our thoughts, we've got to depend on the spirit, and we must respond wisely to those circumstances that come up in our life. So let's get into uh, this, the, the meat of what we're going to talk about tonight, choosing to rejoice, okay? Choosing to rejoice. All right, now, when we talk about choosing to rejoice, one of the things uh, we need to look at is, is what Scripture teaches us. Let's go back, if you will, to, well, go to, go to the book of Romans, chapter number five, right quick. And there's a difference between happiness and joy. And I got this on your outline for you. Happiness depends on what's happening. It comes from the root word hap, which means luck or circumstance. Y'all have heard the term happenstance? That means it's just something, it just, it, it, it wasn't a planned thing. It just, it, it, it happened. <laughs> it was luck. It was just a circumstance that, that, that sort of just came up upon us, okay? So uh, it means luck or circumstance. Now, joy is different, okay? Joy goes deeper. Joy is an attitude. It is a choice. Joy is an inside job and is not dependent on circumstances. We can choose to rejoice, amen? We can choose, regardless of the circumstances, to be joyful, in Romans chapter 5, it gives us three reasons why we can rejoice. Let's go to Romans 5 right quick and look at verse number 1. Everybody still tracking with it? So the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness uh, depends on what's happening around us. But joy is the inside thing, okay? Remember we, we sing that song all the time. I bring it up to you. The old church is saying, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. That, what, what, what they were saying, what that song was personifying is the fact that what we have on the inside of us, amen, cannot be taken away by an outward circumstance. What we have on the inside of us cannot be taken away by some law that is, that is, that is, that is put on the books. It can't be taken away by some tragedy that happens because the joy of the Lord is our strength and this comes from the inside of us, okay? So now watch this, Romans chapter 5 and... Look at the three reasons why we can rejoice. We can choose to rejoice, okay? Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. Let's read it right quick. Ready? Read. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has what? Because of what he has done for us, okay? Because of what he has done for us. Verse 2 says what? Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Now watch, it says undeserved privilege. Guys, if the truth be told, none of us in here deserve to be where we are. None of us in here deserve to be where we are. Because none of us in here are good enough to even be in the presence of the Holy God. But God, through his infinite wisdom, gave his son to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have the privilege and the right to come into the presence of a holy God without being struck down dead. So I thank God for the privilege to go before my Father in heaven. Okay, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's what? Glory. Verse 3 for good measure. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they 
help us do what? Develop what? Endurance. Now for a Christian, listen to me carefully. For a Christian, no situation is completely hopeless. Okay? No situation is completely hopeless for a believer. Now again, why, why can we rejoice? Because number one, we have hope. That's what the scripture is telling us right now. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance or perseverance. Hope from a biblical perspective is a confident assurance of a future event. Hope from a biblical perspective means that, that even though it is future tense, I can have Assurance that it's going to transpire. Faith is the substance thing, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is right now. Hope is future. You follow me? So, so again, when we look at this, we can rejoice because number one, we have hope. Many people have hope, but they have not based it on anything solid. It's an artificial, pumped yourself up kind of hope. Amen. And many people base their hope on the wrong things. Say, for instance, if you're looking for a job, let's just throw it out there. If you're looking for a job, all right, and you've always been told to network and find somebody who works at the plant or at the place and uh, try to get in touch with that person who's a fellow churchman or whatever, and they'll get you in the door. Now, I'm one who believes that we ought to network. I'm one who believes that we ought to uh, try to, if there's an opportunity that's out there and available, and we got somebody who's qualified, uh, we got somebody who's qualified, let me say it again, we got somebody who's qualified, all right? We got somebody who's qualified. I believe that we ought to make it known to the members of this church that here's an opportunity, okay? And, in, and if we know that person's work history and know that they, um, uh, you know, work as unto the Lord, then if you, if you can, uh, you know, as we say, put in a good word for them, then I think this is good to do that. By the same token, you who are looking for the job, if someone puts their name on the line for you, Hello. Don't mess their name up by getting up in, into the place of employment and now you jacking stuff up and, and, and they want to run you off. They don't want to see you again. And then they fire you. And the next person who comes and I give them their name to the person who's hired, they're like, hmm, I don't know about you, Doyle Adams. The last two folks you sent me didn't work out. They were booger bears. Because here, here's what people are thinking when you do that. They are thinking that if you are a good worker and, and got good work ethic and you refer somebody, they are assuming that the person you're referring has the same work ethic, the same ability to, to submit to authority, to, to work in humbleness as unto the Lord. They're, they're thinking they got that same work ethic and the same quality, and, and we owe it to people if, if they open the door for us to when we step in there to do a good job. All right? But the person who's Looking for the job, don't put your hope in the person. Alright? Use, use your network. But the question becomes, who are you really trusting and believing in? Are you believing in the person or are you going to believe in your God? 
And what happens sometimes is we base our hope and our trust and our faith on the person rather than on God. Are y'all would listen to me today? Don't put your hope in the person who you know, but put your put your hope and your trust in the God who you serve. Can I get a witness? So don't base your hope on the wrong things. Somebody put their hope in, in the stock market. How many of y'all remember a history lesson when the Great Depression took place in the, in the late 20s, 1920s? Any of y'all remember any history lessons? You know, when, when, when the Great Depression took place and there were soup lines and it, it was a mess economically here in the United States of America. And there were men who were formerly millionaires uh, going up on tall skyscraper buildings and jumping out and killing themselves because they lost all their wealth. Okay. See, when you put your when you put your trust in the stock market or, or in the value of a dollar, that value changes. Amen. How many of y'all got four one k plans or some type of retirement vehicle? Okay. In that retirement vehicle, you place your funds there, and and generally speaking, you work for a company. Uh, it, it may buy company stock. It may it, it may you may be able to have the, the privilege of being able to direct um, your funds into a self directed. Um, uh, IRA or where you can choose the investment vehicles that you want uh, to put your money, the vast majority of your money in but the, 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 the fact remains is that the stock market goes up and down okay and so, uh, but historically speaking, that trend has been upward over a period of time even though you have dips and going up and down and so if you panic when it goes down and take all your stuff out at the low end level then you end up losing money, right? So, so, so that goes up and down so you can't trust the stock market, you got to trust the God to preserve your capital for when you retire. Okay? Because I got news for you. It's going to be hard to make it just on Social Security. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's difficult. So, so but don't trust. Don't trust that. Trust your God. But you got a plan. All right? Don't just say, well, I just trust God and don't do anything. God wants us to plan for our latter years. Don't wait till you get 75 to my, I believe I better put a little money aside. No, it's too late then, boss. Y'all with me? So, so, but, but even though we put money aside, don't trust that. Don't trust your bank account because something can happen, a medical emergency can happen and wipe out all of your savings. So you can't trust the money. Okay? Many people, many Christians put their trust in the wrong things. Okay? In the wrong things, uh, uh, some people put their trust in the, in the fact that they get make a good salary, but good salaries go away. People get laid off, right? Some people put their trust in their family. I mean, we got a good family. I know the family go always back. But is that true? Well, sometimes family turn their back on you. Sometimes family don't step in to help you. So we better put our trust in the Lord. Those things can disappear. They are temporary. Job is temporary. Some people trust in their good looks to open doors for them. Your good looks should fade. Everybody has going to turn great unless you die. Huh? You tell me, but my grandmama was 75 and her hair jet black. I know why. <laughs> Hello? All right? So, so, so looks change, figures change. If your figure got you in the door, your figure may not be able to keep you there. Amen? Okay, so, so don't trust a thing. Put your hope in God. Because when those things disappear, so does your hope. So we have, but we have hope in Christ. You go to Romans 12 and 12 right quick. Romans 12 and 12. 
Look at that right quick. So we have hope, a blessed hope, a confident assurance of a future event. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ coming back for the church, right? You do understand that we're living in the last days? You do understand that Jesus is going to come and rapture the church up out of here? First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, fourth or fifth chapter talks about that. Talking about the dead in Christ going to rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be called together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what the text says. So are you looking for that blessed hope? I'm looking forward to the day that Jesus cracks the sky. Okay? So we got to start living like we're expecting him to come back at any time. Look at what it says. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and do what? Come on, let's read it out loud on purpose one more time. It says what? Rejoice. And keep on praying. That's what it says. Rejoice in our confident hope. Amen? So, so we have a confident hope. So we can rejoice because we have hope. Number two, we can rejoice because God has a purpose in every situation that occurs in our life. Go back to Romans, the fifth chapter with me right quick. God has a purpose in every situation. That's hard for us sometimes to, to fathom that God, has a, God cares enough about us that every situation that occurs in our life, he has purpose in it. Romans 5, verse number Start at verse one, 1 again. Romans 5, verse number 1. Let's go there. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Verse number 2 says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us. Develop what? Endurance. KJV says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience. Tribulation does what? Worketh patience. How many of you sitting here today need some patience? Come on, can we be honest? <laughs> Sometimes we can be the most impatient people. But the text says here, if we, if, if, we, if we need that patience or that endurance, uh, the way it comes is through tribulation. Okay? There's uh, uh, another translation using the word suffering. And that, the Greek word translated sufferings or patience or, uh, uh, or endurance uh, talks about... Um, the Greek word that's used there is, is, it means, for suffering, it means distress. And it refers to anything that puts us under pressure. There was an old saying we used to have, Danny, back in, in the 70s, 80s, we said, pressure will bust a pipe. Imagine what it'll do to your head. In other words, what it was saying is that, 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 that if we don't learn how to, to release pressure, we don't learn how to, to, uh, uh, to throw and cast our cares over on the Lord, then those things will, will have a detrimental effect on our mental capacity and our physical body. Do you not realize that stress causes disease? And stress comes because, I believe a lot of times stress comes because we haven't effectively learned how to cast out of cares when the Lord for he cares for us. Are you with me today? When we get stressed out, it's because we're not trusting God. 
Zip me back up and say it again because some of y'all some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been dealing with a stressful thing at work or in the home and, and you've allowed that thing to get the best of you and you can't even sleep at night. That's not God's will. Because God says, listen, cast all your care upon me for I care it for you. To cast it means I got to take that problematic situation differently and I got to throw it over on God. And if I throw it over on him, if I give it to him, what in the world am I doing carrying it around, thinking about it, worrying about it all day? If I do that, I didn't give it to him. I just came to the altar, amen, and cried and wailed and took my problem right back to, the, to my seat with me and carried it back home. Throw it over on the Lord. Give it to him. He wants to take it. He says, you cast. That means that I got a part to play in it. He ain't going to just come and take it. I got to cast it. Can I get a witness? But understand this. God, we can rejoice because we know that God has a purpose in every situation that comes up in our lives. Paul talks about rejoice in our suffering. He's, he's not saying we rejoice because of our suffering. He's, saying, he's not saying we enjoy suffering. How many of y'all enjoy, the, enjoy suffering? I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I speak another tongue, but I don't like suffering. But if I, I can endure it, because I know through that situation that God is trying to work something in my life. Romans 8.28 from the KV says, All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, to those who are the call according to his purpose. So in other words, in, together God, God will work all the situations in my life together to help shape me and mold me and make me the person he wants me to be. And he'll do the very same thing for you, okay? We, we rejoice in Amen. Tribulation because we know the suffering has a purpose behind it. It has a purpose behind it. Christians can be positive even in a negative situation because we know God has a purpose for allowing that problem. Amen. We have a perspective that non-Christians don't have. And our perspective always determines how we react to events around us. And, it, and guys, as, as a church body, I would hope that each one of us would have a godly perspective about life situation and life issues, especially about things that transpire in the church. Uh, and, and, and again, it, it can, it's, when we're going through something, we have a problematic situation, it can be helpful when we have the right perspective. Suffering can be productive. Problems have a purpose. Your trials and your difficulties have value. It's easier to handle suffering when you know there's a purpose in it that is not in vain. Okay? But, we, but again, to get to that point, we've got to transform our thinking. Okay? Uh, again, Romans 5 and 3 says this, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Or another word for tribulation is suffering. Suffering working patience or persevering. The Greek word for persevering literally means the ability to handle pressure. That's what perseverance is. The ability to hang in there when we're under pressure, to never give up, and to keep on keeping on. Okay, That's what God wants to do. So we, when we know that, we know that, that God has a purpose in every situation that happens in our life, then it can propel us to choose to rejoice because we know that God's going to use it to help us. He's going to use it to build us, okay? Go, to, go look at verse number 4 of Romans chapter 5, okay? Prayerfully, you can make it through the difficult situation that you may be in right now without giving up, okay? And when you, when you go through that thing, your character and your confidence can be strengthened, okay? 
Uh, I don't know about anybody else in here, but you know, I've had I've been through difficult situations since I've been saved, and I can look back on those difficult times and see the hand of the Lord working in my life. I can see it. I mean, I, and I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't like it, Kevin. <laughs> I did not like the difficult time period. But I had to keep my focus on the fact that, God, you're going to work it together for my good. And, and I had to continue to tell myself that because it, it doesn't feel good when you're going through those trying times, right? Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in church, it does not feel good. Can I be honest? Nobody really likes it. But when you change your perspective you can see the usefulness in the problematic situation that God is allowing you to go through because you can know with confident assurance that he's working it together to produce the endurance in you and to produce the change inside of you. Amen? We can know that. Look at Romans 5 verse 4 it says, and endurance develops what? Strength of character and, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So, so, so Paul says here that, that uh, character does what? What does character produce? It, character is strengthened or produces our confident hope of salvation. As Christians, nothing comes into our lives by accident. And when we learn that, guys, we, we, we can take life, amen, a little bit better. When we learn that nothing comes in our life by accident, God knows exactly where we are. He, he, he knows uh, if, if every hair that's on our head is it's numbered. He knows exactly who we are, what we're going through, what we're dealing with. Amen? Are y'all with me today? So as Christians, we've got to get hold of the fact that there's a purpose behind our problems. That's vitally important, but it's also important to understand that problems don't automatically produce perseverance, character, and hope. It depends on how you go through it. Sometimes problems Situation can produce bitterness and anger rather than that blessed hope we're talking about. It all depends on your perspective. It all depends on how you choose to go through it, what kind of attitude you choose to take when you're in the midst of that situation. Okay? All right, so go to James chapter 1, verse 2 through 3, and we're going to go to the third one. Right? We'll wrap this up. When we learn to rejoice in the problem, God uses it for good in our lives. Learning how to rejoice in the problem. Anybody ever had a situation where you, when you learn how to rejoice, you rejoice in the middle of the problem? Anybody? This kick this good one hand. We, we learn. Everybody say learned. Paul said, "Whatsoever stayed on him, therewith I've learned to be content." He wasn't always there. He learned it. There's stuff we we learn as believers. We say going to heaven, but that's some stuff we still. I'm still learning a whole bunch of stuff about myself. And about how this Christian walk should be should be lived out. And so uh, when we learn these things uh, in the midst of that, it gives us hope. Amen. And that hope allows us to rejoice. James 1 uh, started. Let's, let's go to verse 1. Then we go on to verse number 3. Okay. So we said uh, we have hope so we can rejoice because we have hope in, the, in, the, in, the, in what Christ is going to do in his, his coming for his church and what he wants to do in us and we, and we also can rejoice because God has a purpose in every situation that comes into our life this letter is from James a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ I am writing to 12 tribes the 12 tribes Jewish believers scattered abroad greetings dear brothers and sisters when troubles come your way consider it 
an opportunity for great joy. Now, come on, let's be honest. Really be honest. Do we really consider an opportunity for great joy? Well, that's what it says we should do, though. Virginia, you, 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 what, does it, what does it say? Does it say, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, everybody considers an opportunity for great joy except Virginia Hudson? <laughs> that's not in there, is it? If all that means you, me, all of us have to consider it, which means I got to think about it. If I'm going to consider it an opportunity for great joy, the, Sean, the mere fact that I got to consider it means that when it first comes, I don't think of it as joy. Eddie, I don't think of it as joy. That tough time, the situation, the relationship breakup, whatever it is, I mean, financial difficulties, whatever may be happening, uh, the you know, wife problems, husband problems, it don't feel like an opportunity for great joy. It absolutely does not. But that's what it says. And if that's what the Bible says, then Lou, I got, to, I got to consider an opportunity for great joy. But my perspective has to change. If I sit there and have a pity party, I'm not going to come out of it rejoicing. I'm going to come out of it mad and angry and thinking God is not fair and everybody's wrong except me. And I'm mad now. And I'm bitter. We can't do that. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Verse number three. Let's read. Come on, let's go. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your ability to handle pressure, your ability to handle different facets of life gets stronger. And here's why that's important, because God wants to use you and me, all of us. He wants to use us in some difficult situations. But if you can't handle your situation, how are you going to help somebody handle theirs? He's got to strengthen us to be able to handle a difficult situation, okay? Are y'all with me? All right, last, last one. God, we can rejoice because God is with us. Go to Romans, the, the, the 11th verse of Romans, the 5th chapter. Go down to the 11th verse. Romans chapter 5, verse number 11 says, So now, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Look at that again. Can we read it again out loud on purpose? Read it. It's ready to read. Has made us friends of God. KJV says that not only so, but we also joy. In the God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now we have now received the atonement. So, if we're friends of God, then why do we why are we hesitant to to approach our friend? Why have we allowed the enemy to make us believe that we're not worthy to go into the presence of the Holy God? Not by ourselves, we're not, but we got Jesus Christ. His blood was shed on the cross for our sins. So as a result of that, we have the opportunity to go into the presence of a holy God and just lay ourselves bare. We have an opportunity to go before a holy God and be honest with God. Because he already knows us. Yeah, we try to put on airs with people here, and, and, and but, but God knows us. So in your prayer time, just, just, just be honest with God. God, you know, 
Lord, you know, I lied to Pastor. You got to forgive me, God. I, I lied to him. I told him I had something to do. I really didn't have anything to do. I just didn't want to go do what he wanted me to do. See, I'll be honest with God. And God said, okay, my child. My blood covered that lie too. See, we're not honest with ourselves and we're not honest with God. So it, it hinders us from being very relational, okay? Because God, if, if we're a friend of God, it means that we're in a relationship. So, so, look at the last part. If, if we're going to be people who are rejoicing, let's develop a spiritual workout. Joy is like a muscle. How many of y'all got muscle? Everybody got muscle, right? How many of y'all ever lift weights before? It's been a while. Anybody, anybody lift weights? Okay. It can tone some stuff up for you. Okay. Ain't no harm. So when joy is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes. There are four exercises that can help us develop inner joy. Number one, first develop an attitude of gratitude. Go to First Thessalonians 5 and 18. Develop an attitude of gratitude. We gotta become grateful. We, we, got, we got too many ungrateful Christians. Just some ungrateful folks. I don't want to ever be guilty of being ungrateful. And I, here's what I discovered. When people do stuff for you, when people bless you, be thankful and be grateful for that because they don't have to do it. Don't have to do it. They don't have to do it. So I've learned, man, listen, I, I've learned how to say thank you. I've learned how to lay my pride aside and stop trying, oh, no, 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 no. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. Well, if somebody want to bless you and God put up on their heart to bless you, learn how to receive. You'd be surprised at the number of people in this church who have a hard time receiving somebody doing something for them. Yeah. All in the name of, you know, I got this. You know, I don't, I don't want to be bothering nobody. Listen, sometimes, you know, God is, God is propped in that, that person to do what they're doing, and God is blessing them by them blessing you. So learn how to receive. Okay? Amen? Watch text. Be thankful for all circumstances. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. See, I tricked some of y'all. Y'all didn't look at it. Be thankful in all circumstances. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to be thankful that you came up here and slapped me. I wouldn't be thankful. As a matter of fact, I might have to punch you then ask the Lord to forgive me. I just might have to do that. I don't know. He says, he says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Because again, remember, everything that happens in our life, every situation, God is going to use it to develop us and to grow us, develop our perseverance. Be thankful in all circumstances. That's, that's scripture text, right? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Isaiah 43 and 2, real quickly. Isaiah 42 and 3. So, uh, I got to develop an attitude of gratitude. This week, I want to challenge each of us to look for ways to express gratitude and see what a difference it makes in your life. Just look for a way to express gratitude. You know, we've been dealing with this kindness thing and there were um, being kind, you know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and my wife has been teasing and messing with me because there's some times when 
um, I started to show a little impatience. She said, uh, sweetie, are you, you remember the lesson on kindness? <laughs> Part of kindness is being patient, baby. I said, yes, ma'am. I remember, I remember those words I preached. And uh, I, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Where are you going? Isaiah 43 and 2. Is that right? Is it 43 and 2? I, I, I may have had it mixed up on one thing. Hang on. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is with us. Okay, yeah, go Isaiah 43 and 2. Isaiah 43 and 2. It says, when you go, start back at the verse 1. Back at the verse 1. It says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Boy, it's a good thing when God calls you his. You're his child. I, 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 I'm, I'm forever grateful to the fact that God thought enough of me to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my old rank self. I thank God that he thought enough of me to say, I want to have a relationship with you and I'm going to send my son to die on the cross so that you can come into my presence and we can commune together. I thank God for that. Look at verse one two. Watch this. Watch this. When you go through deep, he says, he says you're mine, right? So if I'm here, look what he says. He says, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't dry up. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not do what? Verse 3 says what? For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. See, the Lord is, the Lord is, he says, what he's saying here is, the message that resonated is, he says, you're mine, and I'm with you. When you go through the fire, I'm with you. When you go through the flood, I'm with you. You ain't going to drown. When you're going through that health issue, the health care, I'm with you. You're going to be fine. When you're going through that, that relationship difficulty, whether it's divorce, whether it's, whether it's a parent-child difficulty, whatever, God says, I'm with you. Don't you dare forget that I'm with you, that I'm going to be with you all the way. You're mine. You belong to me, and I will not leave you, nor forsake you. So first, develop an attitude of gratitude. Be, be grateful that God is with you all the way, all the way. God is with us. Now, I, I, I know I've stepped back on that one, uh, Isaiah 43. But uh, go, go, go to Psalms 28, verse number 7. An attitude of gratitude. God is with us, so an attitude of gratitude. Sometimes I get off, off base here. <laughs> 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of what? Thanksgiving. Okay, so the first thing we got to do is, is make sure that we develop an attitude of gratitude because God is with us and we are to be thankful. Heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. If you want to learn how to be thankful, just start singing songs. You know, one of the things that, that, that I've, I've started doing even more so, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of news and talk radio, but also start listening more to more, more listening more more so to gospel songs, songs that just minister to your spirit. Learn how to do that because that, that, that can get you in a joyful, in a, in, a, in a mood of gratitude, okay? So be careful what you listen to. Don't listen to blues all the time. Blues will have you sad. 
Since my baby left me, <laughs> I mean, you know, the blues is the blues, right? Blues will have you feeling blue. Huh? All right, number two. How we go? Exercise. Spiritual exercise, spiritual workout. Second, cultivate inner joy by giving. By giving. We know 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Maybe it's because we are most like God when we give. And you know what? He doesn't give grudgingly, does he? Our giving determines how much God can do in our lives. So uh, Acts 20 and 35, look at that right quick. Cultivate inner joy by giving. If you want inner joy, start. If it's more blessed to give than to receive, try giving and see how how much more blessed you feel. Give, bless, and giving is not always giving money. It's giving of time, talent, resources, helping somebody. Okay, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus: "It is more blessed to give." than to receive. That's what Jesus said. So cultivate inner joy by giving. Number three, develop inner joy through service. Go to Ephesians 6, verse 7 through 8. Through service. Start serving people. And do it unexpectedly. Do it for somebody who's not expecting you to do it. Amen? Maybe, Maybe just stop by your neighbor's house and rake their leaves. Hopefully they won't shoot you while you're out there, okay? But get your rake. <laughs> Just go rake the yard. Just do something nice. Just go serve somebody. Serve somebody at work. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for what? People. Watch this. Verse 8 says what? Remember the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Read it again. Verse 7, one more time. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. So develop inner joy through service. Joy comes when we get our focus off of ourselves and concentrate on helping others. And lastly, share Christ with others. Paul said in Romans 10, chapter, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Romans 10 and 1, that for I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He says, my heart, desire, and prayer of God to Israel, his own people, is that they might be saved. And so, folks, uh, we, can, we can rejoice when we share Christ with others, especially when, though, when they accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. The angels in heaven are rejoicing when one comes to Christ. Amen? So, guys, I want to encourage you, choose to rejoice this week. Choose to have an attitude of gratitude. Amen. Choose to put yourself in a position to where you don't allow the circumstances that you're in right now to get inside of you. Happiness comes from what's happening, but joy comes from the inside. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And don't let anything that's going on in your life, amen, uh, get you to the point where you stop trusting your God and believing that he, he knows exactly where you are and he's going to see you through the situation that you're going through. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Let's rejoice.
Give the Lord a hand in praise. God bless you.